Hi, it's Dr. Chelsea, and recently I had the chance to sit down with Brie from Apollo Performance and professional dancer Chelsea Hightower, who you might recognize from So You Think You Can Dance and Dancing with the Stars. The three of us worked together to try to answer the question, how do we encourage mental toughness in our dancers while still validating their feelings and their emotions? It turned out to be such a great conversation, so I wanted to share it with you here. But before we get started, this episode is actually brought to you by Apollo Performance. So I have to ask, have you tried Apollo socks yet? I originally got a pair a few years ago at a conference and I couldn't believe how much better my body felt the first time I wore mine. Now I'm obsessed with all of them. So if you haven't tried a pair before or are looking for the perfect gift, Apollo Performance is running holiday sales that you don't want to miss. So go to ApolloPerformance.com and check it out. Okay, here is my conversation with Brie and Chelsea about encouraging mental toughness in our dancers. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars, motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. Brie with Apollo here. It's Friday. It's Beyond the Steps Day. We're chatting today with Dr. Chelsea Parati and Chelsea Hightower about how we can instill mental toughness in our dancers while still validating feelings and emotions. I think this is a really important topic, something we don't talk about uh, as much as I, I would ideally like to see, um, I think it's getting more traction now as uh, we explore uh, a healthy, healthier mindset for dancers in general. But, um, I, you know, there's a lot of things we want to talk about today from the way that the dance studio culture is set up, um, this kind of hierarchy, right, that kind of breeds um, keeping your feelings to yourself. Um, and then also what we know that dancers are suffering a lot of trauma mentally and physically. There's a lot of things going on in the dance world right now that are traumatic, that are scary. And um, I think that having conversations like these uh, help shed some light on it, help provide education and help people feel like they're not alone. So, but for now, I'm going to jump in and introduce the Chelsea's. Dr. Prati, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Absolutely. We appreciate it. Thank um, you for having me. Yeah, we're so excited. So as a mental performance coach, right, you work with many different types of people, but it's clear that your passion is dance. Obviously, we mm -hmm. all have that in common. And you particularly focus on educators. Why is mental health for dancers, such an important conversation to have in the dance community, especially now. I feel like we're talking about it now more than ever. Yes. Why, why is the time now? I think more professional athletes are starting to share and it's opening the conversation, you know, whether, and we actually finally have a few male athletes that are even willing to share, which is a huge stigma breaker too. So yep. it's the larger conversation is happening, which is great. Uh, but I do think specifically to dance, we have this culture of the show must go on, right? And we all lived it, grew it, did it. And like, I don't care if you're hurt. I don't care what happened during your day. Like this show will happen and you will be a professional about it. And I, I learned a lot about being a professional and being, you know, always put together in dance, which I appreciate. But I think the show must go on mentality comes at the cost of we, we, we don't pay attention to what that potential cost could be when we're expecting dancers to go on no matter what is happening, that you compete no matter what, that you are always present. And it's 
that cost can be too great if we're not careful. Yeah. And we're, we're finding that, right? We're learning that as we get older, there's not a ton of research that was done on trauma and how things affect dancers in pre the last 20 years. Now it's being done, right? But we're just right. starting to, with all of us, see the impact of, of what, what the dance industry has had on us mentally and physically right and so Absolutely. when you know better you do better and hopefully again conversations like the one we're having today will help um make dance more accessible and safer and more comfortable for dancers going forward so um in addition to dr chelsea parati we have chelsea hightower um you we are going to recognize her from lots of things but she's from orem utah she was a fan favorite on fox's hit tv show so you think you can dance where she competed and choreographed and appeared as an all-star she moved straight from there to ABC's Dancing with the Stars, where she performed for eight seasons um, as a pro. Her partners have ranged from Olympic athletes to world-renowned entertainers. She was nominated for an Emmy Award for her dance that she choreographed with fellow castmate Derek Hough. Uh, Chelsea has graced the cover of many national fitness and dance magazines, as well as being the face of Reebok's dance line, and has had the opportunity to endorse many national products. Uh, she's been touring the country for the last three years with Revive Dance Convention, who happens to be YPAD certified, so check them out. Teaching ballroom to ages five to 18 years old um, and also performs still professionally everywhere. She started a company called Dance Elevated in 2016. Um, she hosted Fox's the, the Place from 2018 to 2019 and played Tina Sparkle on the US premiere of Baz Luhrmann's Strictly Ballroom. Uh, this year. In 2020, she started Inside Out, which is a dancewear company aimed to encourage the next generation to know their worth. And we love her mission. Chelsea, welcome. Thank you so much. And thanks for making it through all of that. Ah, <laughs> I've it's never important. read that. Read. I mean, Yes, it's important. I That's want people to know who you guys oh, are, you. what you've done. We, The people that we thank bring you. on are so legit. So welcome. And we appreciate you, you so much. Thank you so um, much. You, you've had obviously an incredible career and so much of that has been in the public eye. How have you been able to cope with the pressure that comes with, with all of that? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, the, the pressure ebbs and flows and it depends on what I'm doing and it depends on where I'm at. Um, and so it, it does, it always, it comes in waves and it ebbs and flows. One thing that really helps me and has especially helped me in my professional career was knowing my why and remembering what I'm doing, why I'm doing it and what the purpose is behind it. Um, that was crucial for me at the end of the day, when you look at from Chelsea's standpoint, pressure is imagined. And so it's really yeah. just a, a accumulation of expectation. And so um, it's an effort to try and release that expectation, get back to your purpose and get back to your why. At the end of the day, if I'm doing things because I'm trying to impress or please other people, that expectation can mount and that can get that pressure can build. So for me, it's, um, it's kind of almost forgetting about myself a little bit, coming back to my why and remembering my purpose. And how, uh, so honestly, like in yeah. all honesty, how long did it take you to learn that? Like you've been dancing a long time, but like, when did you really get comfortable with, with oh, that? That's that not, I don't, I don't know if that's ever like, a, it's an ever evolving concept. <laughs> you know, yeah, when I yeah. was a young teenager, it was, um, you know, I was doing one thing all the time. And so there was a specific focus and a specific practice of when I'm in the studio, um, how can I connect to my why? How can I more release the pressure that's around me? By the time I was, I think, 
1918, when I decided I really wanted to do something professionally, that was when I knew I had to get really serious about um, my mental state and get really yeah. serious about if I wanted to compete and perform under pressure, I'd have to learn how to do that yeah. um, at a very high level. And so that was both good and bad. It created a lot of rigidity in my mindset yeah. as far as like, couldn't, <laughs> you know, couldn't make a mistake. It almost felt like. And so, but it was a practice of learning how to, um, every single day practicing releasing pressure, um, and releasing that expectation and me getting to decide what was good enough for me and not letting other that. people's expectations dictate how yeah. I felt about that. Now it's a very different practice because now I'm in a very different space of starting two different companies and learning what that means now to release pressure. I think right. <laughs> it's always different, right? Like in each phase of life, um, you get to learn new tools to how to do the same thing. So yeah, now it's, it's a lot of, um, just learning how to love myself more. And, and again, just connecting with, I'm trying to think more about other people now and less about how perfect my performance is. And I love that. And it's a great lesson. And it's not, I I asked that question, not, not to get too personal, but only because I want people out there to hear it's not an instantaneous thing. It's not like you just decide that you're going to focus on your mental health and everything falls into place. It's a, it's a Mm -hmm. struggle. It's a journey. It's, it's a learning process and it's something we always work on. Yeah, totally. Which is the cool part about it too, because it's, it's this thing of life. We are ever evolving and ever changing. And, and I think sometimes we get into this mindset of like, well, one, well, I know I did when I do it now, I'm never going to have to worry about this again. And that's just not reality. So it's, it's cool at the same time to be able to go through different phases of life and learn new tools for each phase. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you again, both of you for being here. I'm going to start by talking about the culture of dance. I said this a little bit in our intro. Dancers are without a doubt the toughest athletes in the world, and they definitely encompass um, a balance of mental and physical toughness. But it's interesting because it could be argued that that same culture, that same dance culture, is set up to facilitate power dynamics and to declare war on a dancer's mind and body, right? So, Dr. Parati, do you agree with that? And what is the biggest challenge you see in how the dance industry operates today in, in also keeping dancers mentally strong? Sure. I, I think declaring more feels strong to me. And I, I think I always just take that positive look on it that, yeah. but yes, I, I do think the culture is, can be really dangerous. Right. And it can, um, it can go too far, but I think it's true. Uh, kind of what I was saying at the beginning about that desire to be a professional, that desire to make sure it's perfect, which is the perfectionist issue that I think is one of the biggest yeah. things I see in dancers that comes from our culture of, and even like, don't speak without being spoken to. I mean, that yes. was my ballet world for a long time. Like you do not talk in class. You do not ask questions. Yeah. You do not, you know, broach any of that, but that culture is designed for the, the professionalism side of it. Um, and I, I do think that can go too far and we can take that tradition too far. Um, but there's a balance there. Like we can still challenge our dancers and we can still expect excellence. We can still expect growth. 
but you can do it in a way that is supporting them rather than I think what the culture has been in the past is like, I'm going to break you down to build you up. And that there's no need for that. There's no need to harm you, to help you figure out how to do it. And, right. you know, as Chelsea was talking about your identity and learning how to cope, like you can help, you know, your young six-year-olds learn, and then you're going to have to right. reteach them and help them what to do in the teenage world and all the way into adulthood. Um, so yes, it's a hard balance to be able to challenge and expect excellence because dancers are driven and we want things to look good. If I'm going to put it out there, it better be good. Um, and we can maintain that while like supporting your mental toughness in order to do that rather than hurting you on the way. Yeah. Thank you very much. So I would love for you both to weigh in on this. There is something sacred and beautiful about tradition. And so it becomes a delicate dance of balancing balancing tradition, like we were saying, versus what is actually good for us. Because not every tradition and dance, and we we experience this with Apollo every day, like just because something is tradition doesn't mean it's good for you. We've evolved in our thinking. Science has shown us that things maybe that we did 50 years ago aren't so good anymore and we need to change and evolve, yet there's a resistance to um, evolving sometimes for dance dancers in that way, which is odd because in art, we evolve all the time as dancers and artists. And, and that that's, that's very natural for us to do. But when it comes to the traditions of the culture of dance, we, we've noticed people get a little bit stuck in the mud, right? So Dr. Parati, at what time does, at what point does tradition become dangerous? At what point do you want to say to all those, you know, the, the people who are upholding the traditions of dance that maybe are harmful, you know, is there a point where it goes too far? Yeah, I think the short answer is tradition goes too far if it's unchecked. So yeah. there's actually okay. a lot of science on the value of tradition too, in that having, having a sense of legacy or having a sense of belonging that comes with tradition, right? Yep. Having uh, there's a lot of like that team building and I belong here. And as, as humans, we want to belong. We want that social connection and traditions yeah. are part of that. You know, you belong to the world of dance or you belong to that studio. You belong to that company. Like there's, that can be really powerful and positive, yeah. but the danger comes when it's unchecked, when we just do it because it's what we've always done without pausing to say, is this serving us the way it used to? Is it still a is it still appropriate now knowing what we know, as you said, things are changing. Um, so even, I just think it's important that educators and the adults out there are checking their traditions. Is it still serving the way it's supposed to has, do we need to tweak it a little bit? Do we need to let yeah. it go entirely? Um, Cause as I said, traditions are good. And that's sort of the, the cohesive part of it that brings us together. But if we, if we don't check on them anymore, they tend to evolve a little bit and they'll get like a little deeper and a little deeper and a little deeper. And then they can go too far if we don't. Pause I love them. that you bring up, they need to be checked. I think that's such a great way to say it. Traditions are good, but they also need to be checked on how we can evolve or is it check-in, is that still good for you? I think we talk about this a lot on the show about how as dancers, we d directors and educators specifically, you know, in a studio environment, we get very caught on the hamster wheel of the year, right? Yeah. Like, because we're right. always trying to stay one step ahead. We're always planning for the next thing. There is no off time. There is no, right. everybody says, well, when is your off time? There really isn't because in the fall, you're planning for competitions and then the, for competition season, you're already planning for recital. Recital, you're already planning for the next year. So it just goes on and on and it becomes easier to just go, I'm just going to do it the way I've always done it because I don't want right. to like really sit down and like changing your process means changing a lot of little details that you haven't had to maybe touch in a couple of years. You know right. what I mean? So Absolutely. it becomes easier. 
to just yeah. stick with the norm. Well, and it's like what Chelsea was saying about her why, that's what gets lost in tradition. I yes. think that if we go too yeah. far in tradition and all of a sudden you don't check, does this still align with why I'm here? Whether you're the dancer or the educator or the owner, like what is your why in that moment? And does that tradition yeah. still align? And it may not, and you have to be willing to let it go. Yeah, that's that's a great mm -hmm. point. That takes a lot of self-awareness, um, right? So Chelsea Hightower, what is the most dangerous thing you see happening consistently in the dance industry today that is having a negative impact on dancers' mental health? And what are some cultural values that you've had to overcome in your career to strengthen your own mental health? Yeah, I think from the time we are kids as dancers, we're in the dance studio for several hours a day. And this yeah. is when we're still developing our identity. We're still developing what it, who we are. Mm -hmm. And so a, a large part of who we are becomes who we are as a dancer, or, you know, it's not just, I am Chelsea who dances. It's, I am a dancer. Right. Um, and it becomes such a large part of our identity that when things don't go our way, our whole foundation seems to be shaken. I think that is a, a huge thing in the culture of dance. And um, that's one thing that I experienced on a on a an intense level. I think growing up, dance was everything to me. I remember my mom saying, you know, your life is is so imbalanced. And I remember thinking I want it to be that way. That's yeah. exactly what I want. I want to be a dancer and I want to be great and I want to be successful. Now the fallout of that is, yes, sure, that may have pushed me, but there was also a lot of fear underneath the surface because I wasn't motivating myself from love and a, and a strong foundation. I was really motivating myself many times from a place of fear. And um, I think there's quite a few dancers and even speaking about the last question you asked that are kind of coming on the other side of this and realizing, oh, that wasn't the best solution. Like that wasn't right. the best way to approach things. And, and I think now the conversations are starting to be had of like, okay, well, what would we have done differently? I look back and I think, man, I would have done things differently, but at the same time, I did the best with what I knew. I can now kind of share what that my mistake in, in error was anyways, not to get too long-winded, but that's one thing that I, um, I think is really, really important. And one thing that needs to be more awareness around is we are not dancers. We are people of individual worth and and, and uniqueness. And we are all unique and perfect in a way that we are. And we are supposed to have weaknesses and we're supposed to have challenges. And dance is a beautiful art form that can be a catalyst to help us to become better people, but it's not um, and help us to fulfill our lives, but it's really not who we are in, in its entirety. And, yeah. um, yeah, so that's, I love that you bring that up because I think there's, there's, uh, almost like an embarrassment that comes with almost changing tradition and evolving is like, you have to admit that maybe what you were doing before isn't, wasn't the greatest thing. And I think mm -hmm. people can get embarrassed about that. And we are really big on this show uh, of trying to encourage every week, like, look, I, I was an educator for 20 some years. I, I was a director and a teacher and, and a dancer and all those things. And I, 
on this journey that I'm on now of learning and educating myself, talking with people like like you, both of you, I'm learning like, look, if I could go back and redo some things, I absolutely would. There were some, some things I should not have done or said or, you know, different ways we could have approached things. But again, like you said, doing the best you can in that moment and this concept of when you know better, you do better. Let's all give mm -hmm. ourselves some grace. Let's forgive each other a little bit and forgive ourselves and go, but I can still do better now, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So I love that you bring that up. Well, yeah. Just to add on to that really quick is, is I think that as a kid, you also just pick up on narratives that you think are true and you don't yes. know that they're not true. You just right. think, well, in order to be accepted by my peers, I need to be the best or in order to be noticed or to be special, I need to be in the front of the class or I need to be in, you know, called up on stage. And, um, I think you just, you make these assumptions as, um, growing up, I mean, we're giving, and we're talking about nine, 10, 11 yeah. years old, um, where you're, you're competing in an art form that's very vulnerable and also competitive. And so there's a lot of room for error in, um, in the decisions we make about what's important and what's not. So, yeah. Um, Chelsea, you know, we're always told to be mentally tough, but that means something different to everybody. Is everyone's threshold different? And how do you know when you've pushed yourself to the limit? And that's directed at Chelsea Hightower. Um, that is such an interesting question because yes, we're all different human beings, right? And like I said, we are all unique with our own unique challenges. And so of course our threshold is gonna be different for every person. Um, for me, my burnout happened towards the end of Dancing with the Stars. Um, it was my, <laughs> I think, you know, when you've hit burnout, when you're like, yeah. you don't feel much passion anymore for dance. You don't love it when the yeah. stress far outweighs and on a consistent basis outweighs your love and passion for dance. Um, again, on a consistent basis, there's always going to be funks and you're always going to go through those, you know, those periods of time. But if it's happening over a consistent basis, I would say, time to take a big step back and reevaluate for me that just meant we're going to just move home and we're going to just look at everything for a while and that's that is when i started to kind of see the errors in my thinking and and reshape and start to reshape what my foundation was so. i think it's important to point out this is coming from somebody who you know people look at you and go you you have it all you've done it all you 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 had you have the dream career you had the dream job so you think you can dance dancing with the stars and still something didn't feel right to you and mm -hmm. it's just it's so important for kids to hear that because i think in this world of social media and this this idea of like presenting perfection all the time on social media yeah. um that even somebody like chelsea hightower is burned out and is is yeah. is and mentally it's challenging for her. So I think that it's really important for people to recognize this is happening on every level. I know it happens a lot with kids in high school and mm -hmm. professionals, you know, Chelsea, go ahead. And I will say to that point too, a huge part of that burnout also was because I wasn't doing what I truly love for the reasons that I truly wanted to be doing them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another huge thing in dance. I think sometimes we think, well, we have to, cause there was a big part of me that was like, well, I can't just walk away from this opportunity. What are people gonna think? And at the end of the day, if it's not resonating with my soul and if I don't love it, then the 
bad is going to far away the good. And not to say that I wasn't super grateful for the opportunity, but I do think kind of going back to that, why and what every single, there's so many different ways to be successful in dance. If we were to look at one person and say, well, that's the definition of success. And that's what we're striving for. That's not honoring ourselves and, and it's not honoring our own journey. We all can have different definitions of what it means to be successful in dance. It's an art form at the end of the day. Um, and so I think that was one really big thing to just be really aware of like, hey, if it's not resonating with you and if you don't feel like you love it and you don't feel like it's serving who you wanna be or what you wanna do, then it's okay to take a step back. It's okay to find a new path and to find that path that really does feel true to you. Yeah. And success in dance is so subjective from everything that we do, from judging competitions to, you know, the, the people that are sitting in an audience viewing something on stage. It's it, what does success really mean in dance anyway, you know, mm -hmm. because there are there are different definitions of what that means for people, like we said earlier. So, yeah. um, Dr. Chelsea, Dr. Chelsea, what are some things? This is a three parter. What are some things that you see happening regularly in the dance industry that are promoting unhealthy habits that you might like to see improved upon or a change? Um, and as a director and teacher, how do you know when you've pushed a performer or a student too far and what do you do in that situation? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, you can go a lot of directions. I wanna time just wrap up what Chelsea was saying too about yeah. identity and success because that's when burnout happens, burnout happens when you are going for someone else's definition of success yeah. and or your own changed, which happens too, right? Like, yeah. so just checking back in on that and knowing what, what you're striving for. Mm. Um, so for what I wish would change or what I think the, one of the bigger problems that I see the regular habits that happen is, uh, has a lot to do with self-talk and what teachers and uh, directors are saying to their dancers. So my, one of my big mantras that I try to share with educators out there is like what you say to dancers becomes their inner voice. So especially mm -hmm. if you are treating really young dancers, as Chelsea was saying, they just adopt what they hear. They're just gonna believe you. And if you are telling them things about their body, if you're telling them things that, oh, you have flat feet or, oh, you know, you're never gonna be able to do this before. Or you don't look the part, act the part you know, you're not a turner, you're not whatever it is that we say to people, yeah. these kids, it becomes your inner voice. It becomes your own mantra. And, and then yeah. it doesn't, it gets worse as we enter high school, right? Because then we're looking for validation. We're looking for that support from people and we will attach to the language of the, our trusted adults in our life. Um, or if they're not even a trusted adult, just the adult whose praise means a lot to you when you're seeking validation and you're seeking uh, that reward from them. Yeah. Um, so what I would love to see is a change as you asked is being aware of your language and that you're trying to help a dancer cultivate self-talk that's going to support them. So, you know, self-talk is an ongoing thing. And we were talking about earlier, you don't just magically figure it out one day. You're like, no, I'm good. And I never say mean things to myself. Like we just yeah. do it. We, we say negative things to ourselves, unfortunately a lot, and that can be the default, but the idea is to start practicing that positive self-talk and as an educator modeling that for them and helping encourage them with that if you what to do as you ask like if you catch them saying negative self-talk out loud which happens right when you'll hear the dancer it's like oh I suck at this or like oh I can't yeah. do that and they will just say it out loud and you're like no no no, hold on that's not yeah. let that be your default and the more you practice 
recognizing that negative self-talk, uh, again, it's never gonna stop, but you can recognize when it happens and, and pause. Like, where did that come from? Why, is that real? Is that true? And usually it's catastrophized. It's way bigger than is actually true, right? And yeah. recognizing it and then trying to say something more positive to yourself, trying to remind yourself of something different as the educator, putting that in there. And again, I'm not saying to like be fluff and extra, you know, say fake praise, right? That doesn't help, yeah. but like yeah. the genuine contingent praise um, so that dancers can learn the self-talk that they need. Because I think that's the tool that gets you through the intense competitions or the auditions or, you know, those really scary places where our mental state can get in our way as a dancer, the self-talk yeah. is what's going to save you. So yeah. helping, helping them learn from a young age on how to do that and care for themselves that way. That's the life skill too. Thank you. Yeah. It's so important. I hear that with my eight-year-old son all the time mm -hmm. as he starts engaging in negative self-talk yeah. at eight years old, you know, and, and we are always stopping him going, don't say that. Don't say it. my daughter has all the confidence in the world. My son, it's different. And and so it's interesting yeah. too, because every kid is going to be different in the way that they're approaching that. Sure. So um and if I could yeah. add on to, I think outward confidence is great, but it doesn't always mean the self-talk is positive. And ah, that's so great. that's hard um, with kids too. And you. not to like make you worry about your daughter now. She probably no. but that's I good. That's good to hear. For, yeah. A lot of kids will again, in dance, we're taught to like chin up and carry yourself well. And so the kids who figure that out and they get praised for that, right? They get praised for their confidence. They get praised for going up to the front of the class and they get, mm -hmm. you know, so they learn to walk the walk and present themselves that way. But then the perfectionism can actually get worse. It's like, well, now this is what I'm supposed to be. And if I don't feel that way today, I can't say anything because now, you know, it's not People right. are going to be disappointed in me or it's not what I'm supposed to do. Um, so mm -hmm. I think having conversations about self-talk, regardless of what you see on the outside, is an important part for our kids. Can I just add on to that too? This mm -hmm. idea of like, we have to walk around and put this mask on and be perfect because we're competing all the time is yeah. also to one of your questions, Brianne, is also such a rampant thing that we see in the industry. And I remember feeling that way all the time of feeling like, oh, I can't be, it's tough to be vulnerable or it's tough to just be me with imperfections because it's this feeling that you have to be, you know, you have to put this mask on and just be inhuman in certain ways or just to yeah. just not show vulnerability or weakness. And I think that is something that I'm like, man, if we could overcome that part as well and like, hey, let's take our masks off and just be be us. real for once. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Okay. And that's going to come from as we were saying, like us that live talking it, about it. They're like, I mm -hmm. wish there was something different. You can model that and you can share that and but i also think that's real. a challenge that we have to figure out how to overcome with social media too i think that mm -hmm. that that definitely contributes there's some awesome things about social media and the way it connects all of us but there's also some things that are really harmful for kids if, if they don't have they're not equipped with the maturity to deal with the fallout from social media and the, the natural feelings that are going to come up and and they don't have somebody putting them in check right so um, and growing up with that yeah we didn't we imagine. didn't grow up with that so can oh, you yeah, yeah. we know that no, i didn't contrast, chelsea but... chelsea hightower you might have but i didn't mostly and, not yeah and yeah. um that that wasn't a thing like you didn't yeah. have to worry about going to class and getting filmed or you didn't have mm -hmm. to worry about 
you know, filming TikTok videos or, or people judging, you know, seeing something online and, and critiquing you in, in a not nice way. So it's, like, yeah, yeah, it's almost an extra effort to be aware yeah. of that and to be cognizant of that and to know that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Thank you. And, and uh, Dr. Prati before, or Dr. Chelsea, before we move on to the next question, I want to go back because I think this is important as an educator. If you've realized you've pushed your student too far, mm what do you recommend doing in that situation? Because I, you know, I was always big on like, okay, acknowledge, apologize, and let's move forward. But, but always apologizing yet. There's some people that feel like I don't have to apologize. Like, what is your, your advice on that? Sure. I think this actually ties really well into what Chelsea just said that you, your reaction, I think if you're not sure what to do, Think about what would you want that dancer to do if they said something that hurt another dancer? What would you want? Like you want to model what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. And that usually means being vulnerable and saying, you know, I was in mm-hmm. a bad place in class yesterday. I know I raised my voice or I know I, whatever it is that you said and mm-hmm. recognizing it, acknowledging it, uh, apologizing for it. And you know, that you didn't want to do that. And, and then I think the next step too, of like, this is what I, promise to do to be better. This is what I'm going to try to do. But it's part of that vulnerability of I I'm not okay with how I showed up yesterday. I want to be better than that. And I'm going to work on that for tomorrow. And I, you know, I appreciate that with you being with me and we're ultimately modeling for our dancers. Like they're going to make mistakes too. They are going to say something mean to appear when they didn't mean it to be mean, but then it comes across nasty and they, you know, we want to model how to help those situations. And how to have hard conversations and how to admit when you were wrong and how to make up for it. And so I think the best you can do is, as you said, like acknowledge and apologize, um, but go ahead and be a little bit vulnerable. There's a balance as the adult in their lives of letting them know that you're there for them and you are solid and you know what's going on and you can be a place of security for them, but you can be a place of security without being perfect. And that's that ultimate, I think, balance that we need to show them as Chelsea was saying about this mask is like, I can, I, I want you to trust me and I want you to believe in me, but I'm also not perfect and that's okay. And yeah, telling that for them. I that love is that. So big. Thank you. Um, Chelsea Hightower, this, this summer, Simone Biles made the decision to withdraw from Olympic events and uh, really took the step in valuing her personal health and safety over winning and performance. Part of your mission with what you do with Inside Out, your dancewear line is, is you want to help dancers know and understand their worth. Do you think that low self-worth and or low self-esteem is what keeps dancers from taking a stand in favor of their own mental health with their instructors, yeah, with their educators? Like a, sure. Like in a situation with Simone, how she chose her own yeah. health and over yeah. the Olympics. Um, first of all, I think that I know there has been a lot of differing opinions on that. A lot of people were upset about that, but coming from an industry like dance, where it is very, very competitive and very subjective all at the same time, um, your mental health is everything. And so for her to value her own self-esteem and her own worth over the sport of gymnastics actually shows to me a lot of maturity and, um, I think is a great example of like, Hey, let's not, we're not advocating give up whenever things are hard, but we are advocating this idea that we're important as human beings and we're 
our mental health is more important than um, a sport. And, and and again, I don't know all the ins and outs of that. And so I'm sure there is some sort of balance there, but I do think that that's a, um, it's a good thing. I do think that that is a very good and interesting question. And I think that oftentimes it kind of goes back to that same idea of putting other people's opinions of ourselves in front of our own opinion of ourselves. Um, in a sport where you're constantly being judged for um, your art form, it is very vulnerable and it is very easy to do that. It's very easy yeah. to say, well, I'm good if that judge says I'm good. I'm good if my teacher says I'm good. I'm good if my friends think I'm good. But learning how to put our own opinions of ourselves and our own self-worth first before the opinions of somebody else is a really healthy step um, in a tough industry. And so I would say, I'm sure that that's the case. I'm sure that that happens a lot. I know for me, um, I've been a victim of that many times. And even in my adult life, I'm learning how to put myself first. Um, and again, an ever evolving practice, something that likely through the rest of our lives, we're all going to be, you know, practicing and working on, but, um, most likely I would say absolutely more, um, heightened in, in this industry. And yeah. it's, well, and I think if I can add that there's a really important distinction between mental health and mental toughness, and they're not the same thing. Talk about I think that. That's where, yeah. I think that's where people got mad at Simone, that being an advocate for your mental health doesn't mean you're not mentally tough, right? It doesn't. Mm-hmm. So that's where I think people thought she was just giving up because she was, you know, quitting and didn't have the like grit to push through. I'm like, clearly she mm-hmm. did. If you've seen her career, she has more grit than the rest of us. So yeah. that mental toughness piece of is mental toughness is being able to, you know, regulate your emotions when, you know, you're in high pressure situations and push through, but mental health is very different, right? When you're actually caring about who you are and your worth and that Mm. side. So if I guess just for keeping in mind that they're different, right? So that yes, if you have, if you're struggling with your sense of worth, it's going to affect your mental toughness. It's hard to pull that off if you don't truly believe in yourself but they are different. So someone who is taking care of their mental health as a dancer, it doesn't mean you don't have that toughness or that you never will again. Like it's their, their separate things. Right. You can mm-hmm. still be mentally tough and be struggling with your mental health. Mm-hmm. That they're, they're not mutually exclusive, right? right. Um, yeah, Most no, thank you. Thank you for that. We're going to go on to the, the next segment um, because I, I think this is important that we identify, okay, what do we do about all of this now? Like we, we have identified an issue. We, we were talking about what it means, but what do we do, right? So how do we get there? Is it possible to strike a balance between respect for the process and the art and the hierarchy of dance, right? Um, while also giving credence to how dancers are feeling emotionally. Um, Dr. Chelsea, what are some things educators should be doing? Um, you've already mentioned, you know, correcting the self-talk and, and making mm-hmm. sure that we're, the way we're speaking to them is the way we would want them to speak to themselves, right? Um, right. But, but what else should they be doing at the, prof- let's talk about at the professional level, because I feel like there's different things we should be doing at every level too um to to make progress in this area but professional what should educators choreographers directors employers be doing to advocate for positive mental health for their dancers yeah absolutely i think as you said it's a balance and i think there's this balance between challenging them and uh taking care of them but i think 
we don't want to swing so far that we're like, we're coddling people because yeah. I think a lot of us would say as dance, like I've learned a lot of really strong life lessons because of the challenges I've overcome as a dancer, yeah. but you can challenge with support and love. Right. So yeah. I think the old school version of challenge was a lot more of like the harsh language and the intensity and the, you know, expecting extremes physically and mentally that we don't need mm -hmm. to do, but instead you can still present challenges that might be a really challenging piece of music or a really challenging bar combination or, you know, things that are going to push you mentally and physically, but then you're doing it while saying, I believe in you. Like I wouldn't give you this solo music if I didn't think you could do it. I wouldn't, you know, like having that praise and conversation, um, but you're still challenging. Cause I think ultimately we're talking about a growth mindset and trying to help dancers, you know, be able to believe that challenge is good. Uh, believe that uh, overcoming challenge, they have the ability to overcome any challenge that comes their way. And dance is such an amazing venue to be able to do that, right? Like it teaches kids how to go through that. And then it teaches adults how to yeah. go through and, uh, you know, believe that they are capable in the face of challenges rather than taking a challenge as like, oh, I might not be able to do it right away. So I'm going to shrink and forget about it. And that's the perfectionist side, right? If I can't be it perfect, if I can't do it right away, I'm not going to try and we want to help dancers learn, you can make mistakes. Mistakes are okay. And you learn from them and how did you grow and kind of doing that self-reflection. What did I, what am I really proud of in this last performance? And what do I want to be better next time? And that, that growth mindset piece. So to your point about what educators can do and professionals, it's cultivating that growth mindset by presenting challenges that are uh, within the realm of possibility, but challenging you, you, you know, the, the, it's the Goldilocks, not too hard, not too, uh, easy, just right, but that's going to push you, but doing it and while you are also believing in them and supporting that, uh, the, the positive praise that's um, going to help them believe that they can do it too. What do you think at the professional level I'm talking about? I think there's an overwhelming amount of anxiety and fear that comes with if I, if I don't push through this, I'm going to mm -hmm. lose my spot. I'm going to lose my job. What can we do as educators and directors and choreographers to reassure our dancers at the professional level? Like, look, the most important thing is for you to take care of yourself. This will be here, like when you get back, like, but, but, you know, preserving that and kind of easing that stress or worry, or is that, is that yeah. too blurry? No, I think you can talk about it. And that's part of it is talking about it. And I think we're starting to get to a place where people are was will say like no i believe in like take care of your mental health and if you're not right I, but we don't often say it and to chelsea's earlier point our dancers professionally have come through this world of all the stories they've heard and everything they've adopted along the way so by the time they are a professional they may yeah. have a picture of what's expected of them and what's acceptable and what's not and it might not align with that director and if the director truly yeah. believes in this balance being able to actually talk about it is huge because i don't think we talk about it and so if the assumption is that that's not okay, unless you address it otherwise, unless you're yeah. able to share that you truly feel differently. And I mean, we're still trying to have more and more of that in the professional realm and have people have people in power be willing to say yeah. how they feel about it and admit that they truly do support it and then back it up um, and, and not treat different dancers differently as far as like your most talented dancer gets one thing while your you know, back row core dancer get something else right like right. you if you truly treat them all the same um, then yeah. that message comes across too yeah thank you and then chelsea hightower what you know two-part question what 
what should dancers be doing to help themselves? And if we have parents at home, especially of minor children that are watching, how can they help? Because it's not just what happens in the studio. It's what happens at home after when they're at home, when they leave and get in the car from a long night of dance. You know, what are some things parents can do to help? And what are some things that we can be encouraging dancers, young and old, to do for themselves now um, to, to, to better advocate for their own mental health? which then leads to stronger and better consistent mental toughness, right? So um, obviously I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to yeah. um, parents, but I can speak to my own experience and what I believe is really important as a dancer and what a dancer can receive from a parent is just unconditional love and support. Mm -hmm. I think they get enough criticism or not criticism, but corrections in the studio. I think it's really important um, that the parents are just there to love and to say, for me, I know in my journey, um, questions like, how are you feeling? Are you doing okay? How, you know, where are you at? And really understanding where they're at, that can go such a long way in, in a helping them to build emotional resilience. And like, um, yeah. Chelsea was saying that mental health aspect and then the mental toughness can come when they choose it. I think that's a really important thing. You can't force that upon your kids. They get to choose that and they get to feel the satisfaction of feeling like they overcame something. But if they have that strong support at home, I think that is huge and so beneficial. And um, that's the best thing I think that a dancer can receive from a parent is just that yeah. support. That's Thank so you. true. And the science tells us the majority of athletes quit in the car ride home and yes. they quit, they quit because I of that conversation. That. And it's, it's even well-meaning parents, but the questions are the opposite of what Chelsea was just saying. The questions are like, you know, did you, they're asking, maybe asking a dancer, you know, did you get that spot? Did you get a solo? Did she get a highlight? Yeah. Why did she get that? And they mm. are asking the competitive questions or they're asking that putting you against other dancers, or did you get noticed today? as opposed to how are you feeling? Did you have fun right. today? What, That's a know? great point. That is a great most, point. Most kids quit on the way home. So to wow. the parents yeah. out there, keep that in mind. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I have more to add, but we had that's a whole nother call. So I'm just parents gonna not, yeah. I'm not yeah. gonna say it. I'm just gonna move on to homework. So we like to give homework every week. You know, what, what do you wanna challenge our listeners, our viewers to work on to make progress in their own mental health and their own mental toughness between now and next week? So in the next seven days, one of uh, each of you give one piece of homework and let's start with uh, Dr. Chelsea. Sure. I think if I would leave one piece of homework to try this week is to uh, think about your self-talk and that depending on where you are in your mental health journey, that could be just noticing how much negative self-talk there is. It could just be, you know, noticing that, writing it down, paying attention to it. If you've been doing that kind of thing or working for a while, it could be more intentionally replacing negative with positive or being aware of what you're saying out loud and what the people that you love are saying. Um, so cater that to where you are in your own journey, but think about your self-talk for the week. Love that. Thank you. We're going to do that. And Chelsea Hightower, your homework for the week. Oh, mine would probably be somewhat of an addition to what Chelsea said, just learning to love yourself. I think having this place of this safe place to land for yourself, not judging yourself for a bad, you know, pirouette, trying to learn to just accept um, 
all the good and all the bad and um or all that bad know that all the bad is leading you to something good um but just learning to have that foundation of love for yourself and um if that does that make sense yeah no absolutely um yeah yeah, accept accept it all that would be nice thank you Tell us a little bit before we go, what do you, just a, a quick recap, what do you guys have coming up that you want to talk about? Chelsea, I know you're working a lot on your dancewear line. Anything you can share with us? Yeah, um, check it out, inside out underscore dance on Instagram or danceinsideout.com. Um, I am just so happy and thrilled meet people like you guys. I've spoken to both of you individually about this, um, that believe and are trying to do the same thing and trying to be a voice and an advocate in an industry um, that just, it needs it and an industry that needs um, some of this education. And so I'm, you know, right now in the dance wear space and dance camp space. Um, so you can check out danceelevated.com, which is dance camps that's centered around providing a safe place, providing a place of um, instilling some of these principles that we're talking about and then inside out, which is we have just little messages on the inside of the clothing that helps dancers to What's establish- What's the website, Chelsea? Foundation. Uh, danceinsideout.com. Yeah, we just want to be that extra reinforcement of these good principles. And um, if dancers can put on a leotard and on the inside, it has that little reminder of um, that healthy mindset that we are speaking about and trying to um, create a little wave in this industry about that's that's our goal. And that's what we're trying to do. So dance and inside. them hearing that so from cool. somebody like you is so cool. And, and yeah. it, it just Thank keep you. on keeping on. I know it's a challenge building a business regardless, oh, but I know. Yes. you do not have to tell me I, you know, yes, I know. Yeah, uh, you, so, uh, you know I have all the good vibes your way <laughs> and Thank Dr. Brody so what do you have coming up that you want to share with us anything that you can share projects uh, sure I, I mean I think my podcast is kind of my my main focus right now and just yeah. being able to share that message so I would love to check it out passion for dance wherever you get your podcast uh, I would love to see you there and otherwise I always I love um, speaking and workshops so I'm I travel and do virtual workshops with yeah, you, studios you or teams with or, studios right like they could read to you okay yeah so I definitely love being able to have bring the message into the, the specific studio and whatever might be your focus and your need uh, kind of throughout the season I love it. Thank you. Thank you both so, so much for your time, for spending this afternoon with me um, and talking about this. I think you guys have so much knowledge and experience to share um, in your own right. And, and so just to hear this message from, from people like you is so important. We're going to share this and blast it out, but but do, I, I really want to thank you for spending your, your afternoon with me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, yeah thank you. It's so wonderful to have yeah. like-minded people be able to talk yeah. about this. So Link and elbows. Link and elbows having the conversations. Thank you guys. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Ladies. Bye.